0: let's pray. God, we thank you for your goodness. Father, it truly does just run after us, God, and we just acknowledge that tonight, and we praise you for that tonight. God, as our kids and as our students go down to the kids born, God, I just, I pray that your goodness would follow them there, and that it would rest in that building with them. God, that you would speak truth over their lives and that it would implant into their hearts and produce fruit in their lives. Father, thank you for what you're doing in this church. It is amazing. God, we love you and we praise you and we ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 You guys can be seated. Kids, you can go to the Kids Barn students. You all can go to the Kids Barn as well. This part always reminds me of like the exodus out of Egypt, like it always makes me think of that. You want to know something funny? So I got mic'd up back there and I was holding the little, this thing in my hand and I was getting ready to put it in my back pocket like all normal people do because that's where we always put it is in our back pocket and then I realized I don't have any back pockets in these pants and I was like what am I going to do so this is going to hopefully work for tonight we'll see but um, Chick-fil-a is clearly a crowd pleaser we are so glad you guys are here if you came expecting Dallas my apologies Um, if you don't know me My name is Tara, and I have the privilege of helping lead the women's ministry here, and uh, I get to speak from time to time, and it is always um, truly a pleasure when I get to do this. So I'm excited to share the message with you all tonight. I kind of want to jump right in and start us off by asking sort of a heavy question. What is the purpose of your life? What is the purpose of your life? If someone were to ask you that question, could you answer it? Do you know what you would say? What's the purpose of your life? Have you thought about that before? Like, Lord, why, what is this all about? Why am I here? Well, I teach uh, the four and five-year-olds at this thing I go to called BSF. And um, we sing this song with them, and it's called, What is the Purpose of My Life? And in that song, I think it really, it really, gives us the answer pretty spot on to that question. It says, "My purpose is to know God, love God, and glorify Him." That's it. In, in a nutshell, that's it. Our purpose is to know God, love God, and glorify Him. I want you to look at those three things and think about your own life, and I want you to kind of ask yourself, "How am I doing?" How am I doing knowing God deeper and loving him? And is my life bringing him glory? We're in a series on Wednesday nights now, going through the different spiritual disciplines. Last Wednesday, Dallas talked to you all about rest. And tonight, I get to talk to you about the discipline of service. And I'm really, I'm really pumped about that because I think when you really boil it down, service is very closely linked With the purpose of our lives. Now, I'm not saying service is the purpose of our lives, but I do think it's very closely linked to those three things. Because it is through service that we come to know God in a deeper way, right? That we come to know His heart in a deeper way. And it's through service that we demonstrate our love to him, to a lost world around us. And it's through service that we bring him glory, among other ways as well, of course. But I think service and the purpose of our lives are closely linked together. Now, I do want to point out that we do not serve to try to earn God's favor or try to earn our salvation. Our service to God is something that should just naturally flow out of our lives in response to his love for us in response to his mind-blowing gift of salvation but as believers service should be central to our lives but sometimes I think we think of service more in a way of like I know I need to serve so like where could I squeeze some service into my life this month I bet I'm hitting this Like, I know, I will sign up to serve in the kids one Wednesday night a month and check that off my list. Done. Now, don't get me wrong. We would love for you to sign up to serve the kids one Wednesday night. But I think when we think of service in that way as something to kind of just check off our list, then I think we're missing it. I think we're missing it. The foremost characteristic of Jesus' life was service. He served day in and day out. It was central to his everyday life, and we are most like him when we serve as he served. And isn't that the goal, to, to be more like Jesus? If we want to do that, we have to develop hearts that are dedicated to service, right? Well, some of Jesus' greatest followers, I think, really understood this. They understood that above all else, they were supposed to identify as servants. Listen to the way that they describe themselves. There's going to be some verses on the screen. Second Peter 1.1. In that passage, Peter describes himself as a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. But I want you to notice servant came first, right? And then go to James 1.1. 1, 1. Keep in mind, James, he was Jesus' brother, right? But when it comes down to his self-description, he describes himself as a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Like, he doesn't even mention brother. If it would have been me, I would have definitely included that. You know, a little more clout there, but not James. He's like, I'm just a servant of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now go to Romans 1.1. 1, 1. That's Paul. Paul's self-description is I'm a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel. Servant always came first above all else. Above being an apostle, above being a writer, above being a speaker, above even being a brother-servant, always came first. Do we think of our own identities in that way? Does servant come before being a wife, a mother, this occupation or that occupation? Or do we just try to squeeze it in wherever we can to check it off of our list? And as I prepared this message, I couldn't help but think, like if we can change our mentality from service being something that we do into a servant being who we actually are then our life is going to look a lot different. And this term servant that was used in the verses we just referenced up there, a lot of times that word is actually translated from the Greek as bond servant. What they're saying there is I'm a bond servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know what a bond servant is? I didn't either. I had to look it up. So a bond servant was a term used to refer to one of the lowest ranks of slaves. They were often uh, nicknamed like lower rowers because they were the galley slaves who worked below deck in the ships in chains. And they had the arduous job, the, the difficult job, of rowing the ship from one location to the next in the midst of terrible weather, in the midst of storms. And their work, it was never seen, and it was certainly not praised but day in and day out, they carried out the job. That is how these men saw themselves, as bond servants. Man, I'll be honest with y'all, I'm just not there yet. I'm just not there yet. I want to be, and praise Jesus, I think he has brought me past just trying to fit an act or two of service in every once in a while. But I am nowhere near seeing myself as just a lower rower, as a bond servant in the kingdom of God. And maybe, maybe you can relate to that. Maybe that's you, and tonight you're like, oh, I'm just not there yet. Like, I would love to be there, but I'm just not there yet. If that's you, that's okay. That's okay. We've got to start somewhere, right? And that's the thing that I love about the spiritual disciplines that we're going through on Wednesday night. These are things that we can implement into our lives, and then we can grow into them. And then as we practice these things, as we practice having this mentality, seeing ourselves this way, then through the power of the Holy Spirit that is at work through these disciplines, we can be transformed into someone that we did not used to be. I'm telling you, there is power in these things that we're learning about on Wednesday nights. That is why the Lord gave them to us. All right, so we've established the goal. The goal is to identify as a bond servant, a, a servant of Jesus Christ, to be more like Jesus, who was the greatest servant this world has ever seen. And we've talked about the why. Why? The why is because the purpose of our lives is to, to know God, to love him, and to bring him glory. And service is closely linked to that. Now tonight I want to talk about the how. The how. What practices and patterns can we actually put in place in our lives to help us live this way? This is going to be a much more practical message than I typically teach. The Lord is stretching me a little bit, so we'll see how this goes. But in preparation for this message, I read this book called Developing a Servant's Heart, and it's by Charles Stanley. And I'll be honest, I haven't read a lot of of his books, but I think he was spot on about several things in this book. And tonight, I want to share with you five practices that he identifies that can be implemented into our lives in order to help us become better servants of the Lord. And then, after we do that, I'm going to hit them quickly. It's not going to be a long five, it's going to be a quick five. After we do that, I want to go to a story in scripture that I think shows how these five things were implemented into a real life situation. All right, so the first thing that we can implement into our everyday lives, the first how to is number one, awareness. I want you to ask yourself right now, think about it. Do I live my life? in awareness of the needs of other people. Jesus, y'all, he was so focused on the needs of others, wasn't he? He could perceive their needs before before they even told him, which, granted, he was the son of God, so he probably had a leg up in the ability to do that. But to a certain extent, I think the Holy Spirit also gives us that ability to perceive the needs of others around us. The problem is a lot of times I think our focus is just turned so inward that we don't hear his, his, his directing and we don't feel his nudging because we're so focused on our own issues and our own problems and our, and our own sorrows that we end up just drowning in those things. And, y'all, that, that's understandable at times. But I've talked to a couple of my friends lately, um, friends who, are going, who have gone through some really difficult things, who've experienced great heartache. And I had these conversations separately, and I thought it was so interesting because, you know, the, the one thing that both of them communicated to me helped them during this time of heartache and sadness. It was... Turning their attention to the needs of others. How strange is that? Turning their attention to the needs of others is what ended up changing their perspective on their own situation entirely, and it kept them from drowning in that darkness. Did it take their pain away? No, not completely, but it did help them pull them out of that hole, turning their attention to the needs of others. Ask the Lord to start helping you to see the needs that he places around you. And then ask him for the love and the compassion to actually do something about those things. That leads us to number two, availability. Uh, availability, yes. This is, this is a hard one for me. It may be for some of you all as well because we live lives of busyness, right? We live lives of hurry. Jesus lived a life of high productivity, right? We've talked about that before. I mean, he accomplished more in his three years of ministry than we could ever hope to accomplish, but he was never too busy for those that needed his help, right? Like I think about Zacchaeus up in that tree, like the center of all sinners in that day and age. Jesus didn't have to stop, take the time to see Zacchaeus, and he definitely didn't have to take the time to go to his house that night for dinner, but he knew. He knew that Zacchaeus had a need that only he could fill. And then I think about the woman at the well, who Jesus literally took a complete detour in his traveling schedule to go see because he knew that she had a need. And then I think about the woman with the issue of blood, and that one really amazes me because it was literally in the middle of this chaotic crowd that this happened, like a a crowd that was pressing in on him. They could not get through, and Jesus was trying to get somewhere. But he took the time when this woman reached out and touched him to not only stop, but to look at her and to speak to her and, and to make sure that her need was met. He made himself available, and it did not hurt his productivity at all. In fact, I think it was the catalyst of his productivity. It's what enabled people to see his love and his compassion was, a, was, was the product of his, of, his, of his productivity. But the thing is, if it's the catalyst of our productivity, we have to change the goal. What are we trying to produce in our lives, right? Are we trying to produce checking off our to-do list? Because I love that. I'm here for that. I love to get my to-do list done. But is that what I really want my life to produce? A bunch of checked off to-do lists? No. I want to produce the things that, that Jesus produced. We have to remind ourselves what really matters. People everywhere around us, especially in the day and age that we are living in, they are starving for our time and our concern. And Jesus places them around us? Are we making ourselves available to them? Number three, acceptance. Acceptance. In order to serve others well, y'all, we've got to accept them right where they are. And honestly, that's, that's not always easy. A lot of times I think we want to decide like if they're deserving of our help, right? Like, Are they trying to help themselves? Are they deserving of my help? Man, I'm so thankful that Jesus didn't didn't think that way about us, right, because the cross would have never happened if Jesus would have waited to see if we deserved for him to do it, right? We have to accept people right where they are in the middle of their bad attitudes, their sinful habits, their, their wrong choices. We've, we've got to accept them right where they are, but we also have to have faith that they don't have to stay that way. We have to have belief that that Jesus can change their situation. And I had to ask myself, because a lot of times, sadly, I have to confess, I think that's why I'm not prompted to action enough. I look at situations that are messy. They're messy. And I would never say it out loud, but I'm like, oh, that's going to take a miracle. That one's going to take a miracle. You know, we have to accept people where they are, but have faith. They don't have to stay that way. We've got to believe God still has the, ch- the power to change the most broken situations. That's number three. Number four, abiding. Abiding. I told you we were going to hit these quick. In this book, Stanley writes, Abiding is not, or serving is not a hit and run activity. It's not a hit and run activity. And I loved that because, sure, there are times. When the Lord is going to give you like quick and simple opportunities to step up and serve. And we should take advantage of those. But he writes this. He writes, to serve others best, we must likewise abide with them. We must walk in their shoes, see through their eyes. And be close enough to them and spend enough time with them to be of lasting benefit. We've got to be willing to stick it out with people. And that goes for us as a church body too. See, one of the most important ways that God has called us to serve as believers is inside of this church. When we get aggravated with people, we keep serving them. When, when there are little risks, when things happen, we keep serving, we stick it out together, we abide together. Dallas, um, he's very kind and encouraging to those of us who kind of carry out the daily responsibilities of the church. And he said something to me this week that really resonated with me. He said, I want this to be a marathon and not a sprint for all of us. And I just thought, yeah, like that is how this is supposed to be. We're supposed to stick it out together. We're supposed to persevere. We're in this for the long haul. So whether you're serving inside of this church or whether you're meeting some need on the outside of it, be willing to abide. The going is going to get tough sometimes, right? Be willing to abide. But in order to do that, we've got to do number five, abandonment. Abandonment, y'all. This is the toughest one. This is kind of the ultimate step in service. Abandoning our own wants our own desires, in order to do whatever it is that God has called us to do right now. And laying aside those things is hard. Sounds like right now when you're sitting in that seat and you're just talking about it, it's not that bad. But when it comes down to it, in a real life situation, it is so hard to abandon our own wants and our own needs. I think that's why Jesus said, pick up your cross daily and follow me. He used that analogy of the cross, because he knew how hard this was going to be. But you know what he also did? He promised to help us. He promised to give us the Holy Spirit to help us. And y'all, if you're trying to serve on your own without the Holy Spirit, man, it's never going to work. It's never going to go. That is our power source. That is our supply. I cannot tell you the number of times throughout my week when I call on the Holy Spirit. Because I am helpless without him. My girls start fighting. I'm like, Lord, Holy Spirit, I need you to give me some patience right now. I've got to speak on a Wednesday night, and everyone shows up for Chick-fil-A. I'm like, Lord, I need you to give me some courage right now. Holy Spirit, I need some courage right now. Someone calls me unexpectedly looking for some some wise counsel. One of the first things I try to do, I don't say it out loud, but in my mind, I'm like, Holy Spirit, give me wisdom. God, I, I need wisdom right now. I know the Holy Spirit was in me. Supply this for me. And I can't imagine what my life would be like without that. Like I can't fathom it. And it, it makes me sad, honestly, to think about someone going through their life without calling on that power source. Think back over your life. Are you walking through life dealing with these things by your flesh? Y'all, that will never be enough. Call on Him, ask Him for help charge into that power supply, it is readily, he will always be available to you. We may not be available to other people, but he will always be available to you. If you are walking through and not getting access to him, not asking for his help, man, you're missing out on something that we so desperately need. We will never be able to be the servants that God has called us to be without relying on his help to do it. All right. So, awareness, availability, acceptance, abiding, and abandonment. I don't care if you remember those terms tonight. I probably won't even remember those five words tonight. My goal is that we remember the ideas that we have talked about. And in order to help us do that, I want us to read a short story here in Scripture together. And I really think that this passage shows how those five things that we just discussed are implemented into this real-life situation so turn with me to Luke chapter 5 verse 17 through 25 Luke chapter 5 verse 17 through 25 this is the story of when Jesus heals the paralytic let's read it together on one of those days as he was teaching Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, who had come from every village in Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men... I want you to key in right there. That's what we're going to talk about in a minute is these men. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk? It would be a lot harder to say, rise and walk, right? Verse 24, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying home and went home glorifying God. Now the main point of this story, I want to make sure we realize, is that Jesus is God. And his authority comes from that fact. His authority to heal, his authority to forgive sins comes from the fact that he is God. And we got to remember that as we go about serving, Right? Because we can serve all we want to, but he is the one who is going to bring the healing. He is the only one who can bring the healing, and we need to remember that and praise God for that, right? Because if we were the ones trying to do that, every situation would be too difficult. But because we're depending on him, nothing is too hard. No situation is too broken. But what I really want to talk about is the men in this story, the friends in this story. I want to live my life more like one of those guys. Clearly, like we talked about number one, they were aware of their friend's need, right? They were aware of his paralysis. They weren't so involved in themselves that they didn't see what was going on. They were aware of it, and they cared enough to help. Then number two, they made themselves available, right? They cleared out their schedules that day. They got their friends together to come help. They decided what time, and they showed up to make it happen. They were available. Number three, they also accepted their friend just the way he was. They weren't like, well, if he tries to help himself, then we'll, we'll help him. They accepted him right where he was, but they also believed that he didn't have to stay that way. Man, as dire as that situation looked, and it looked dire, he was paralyzed. As bad as it looked, they had faith that it didn't have to say that way. They had faith that Jesus could change it. Y'all, we got to have that kind of faith because that is what produces action. Then, number four, they abided with him. They stuck it out with him, right? Because if it would have been me, I mean, you get there, they got there, there's people everywhere. They got a man on a big bed, and they're carrying him trying to get to the door, and they see that there's no way that that is going to happen, right? There's just no way we can get there. It says that. There's no way. I mean, nobody would have faulted them if they would have been like, man, I'm so sorry, we, we tried. But you see all these people, it's like so far away. Man, we tried. I hate that this has happened, but we just, we just, can't, we just can't get you there. No one would have faulted them for that honestly they would have still probably been praised for trying but they abided they persevered they stuck it out and do you know why they were able to do that because they did number five they abandoned their own conveniences their own their own desires and they climbed on top of that roof first of all that would not have been a convenient thing to do it had probably been a little embarrassing, y'all. That took some guts. They cut a hole into somebody's roof. They abandoned their own desires and put the needs of that paralyzed man ahead of them, ahead of their own feelings and inconveniences. And the fruit, the fruit of their choice, the fruit of their service, speaks for itself, doesn't it? Jesus said, because of their faith, he was healed. Because of their faith. Now, that could have included the paralyzed man. I don't know. Maybe he had faith. My gut wants to say that he did. It could have included their faith. But the fact that, they, that Jesus said their faith had to at least include the men who were carrying up there. We cannot afford to underestimate the impact that our faith can have on someone else's life. And, y'all, I don't know about you guys, but there are a lot more needs that I know of that I could cut a hole in the roof for. And there are a lot more people that I could drag before Jesus in prayer. And there are a lot more messy situations that I could just choose not to give up on. And maybe if we lived like that, just maybe because of our faith, Someone else's life would look drastically different, not because of us, but because of the one who we put our faith in. Amen. Worship team, you guys can come. Y'all, that's what it's all about as we begin to implement these characteristics in our lives, as we begin to stop seeing service as something that we do and start seeing servant as someone who we are, our life is going to start to look a lot different. And so much fruit is going to be produced from that kind of mentality. We're going to know the Lord in a deeper way. Our love for him is going to be demonstrated in a greater way. And and he's going to get so much glory from our lives. And just to close, you wanna know the most amazing thing about it? I know talking about this, talking about a life of service, being a servant, that feels really hard, right? It feels maybe even a little burdensome and depressing. And sure, there's certainly gonna be difficulties that come with being a servant. But we've gotta remember who our master is, because he's not like just any other master. In the the early world, the best thing that could happen to a slave was to be under the ownership of a kind and gracious master. If if a slave was under the ownership of a benevolent master, of a good master, then he knew that he was going to be valued, He was going to be taken care of. He was going to be provided for. He was going to be considered an asset. So that was the best thing that could happen to a slave, was to be under a master like that. Abraham was that kind of master. In Genesis 24, it tells us that Abraham had this servant who he set in charge of everything that he had. And he even sent this servant on on a journey to go find his son, a wife. And he sent with him all these riches. Abraham wasn't worried that his slave was going to run away. A servant with a master like that was not going to run away. Y'all, that servant knew what he had in his master. He knew whose he was. There was no way he was going anywhere. He was going to serve him faithfully out of love and out of devotion. Y'all, do you know who your master is? Do we know who our master is? Because he's the kind of master who knows every single hair on your head because he values you that much. And he's the kind of master who will let you come and go, deciding whether or not you want to serve him. He's the kind of master who will see you giving and give you more. We don't have to worry about our own needs as we serve the needs of others because our master, he's got that under control, right? So we can give generously and we can serve selflessly because our needs, they're not our own to worry about. We've got a master who's got a storehouse that we could not deplete even if we tried. That is the kind of master that we serve. It's unbelievable. unbelievable. Why would we want to go anywhere else? Why would we want to say no to that? So I can't help but want to be a bondservant. Want to be a lower rower. And in those moments, because it's going to happen, in those moments when my flesh does rise up against it, I, I literally am praying that my desire to hear those words... Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. I pray that my desire to hear those words outweighs my flesh that wants to rise up in those instances. And maybe you're here tonight and and your life is, is not characterized by service. Maybe you've just been trying to squeeze it in here and there to check it off your list. Maybe not. I know there are some incredible servants in here. But maybe you're just not there yet. Man, you can start. You can start implementing these things into your life, trusting that the Holy Spirit will produce this fruit in you. Or maybe you're here tonight and this message is falling on good soil because the Lord has already been tealing up the soil of your heart about this. You know that there's a need. Man, he's been knocking on the door of your heart about it. You know that there's a need. He's calling you to serve in and you've just been hesitant about saying yes. Say yes. Man, there's no better place to be than being a servant of the Lord. He will give you everything you need to do it. I'm living testimony of that, you all. There's no better place to be. We've got a good master, right? You guys can stand with me. If there's anything you need to pray about this evening, you can do that. But I'm going to pray for us together, and then uh, we'll join in in praising together. God, I thank you that you you are the greatest master. Father, we don't deserve your goodness. We don't deserve your benevolence. We don't deserve your love. And yet you've let us serve you anyways. You see us as such valuable assets to the kingdom of God. I pray that tonight we would start to view ourselves that way. That we would see in us what you see in us, Father. God, that those excuses that we've been tearing ourselves down with, God, that you would wipe those from our minds and that you would place truth into our minds. God, would you produce fruit in our lives? Would you produce fruit in the lives of this church body, God? Father, we love you. We thank you for all that you do for us. God, I ask that you would um, take hold of the seeds that were sown tonight and that you would produce an abundance of fruit. And we ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.